wanted to welcome you back to Beyond Sunday. I'm sitting here with Spencer, and we still don't remember what we were going to try to say to him, I don't think, mm -hmm. at this particular time, but it's probably good. It's good to have a filter. He's, and, still, uh, he's still a good friend. We'll still he's still a good. He's a, he's still he's a, a cornerstone. Yes, he <laughs> he's, still good, he's still a good buddy. <laughs> and uh, uh, Christian and I'm, I'm Todd, and uh, we're really glad just to have you with us today as we kind of working in through the amazing truths, the ideals of God's Word and how to land them into the context of not just nice thoughts, but really land them into relationships and specifically inside of a local church. And for all of you that are listening that maybe don't go to Cornerstone, we're thankful that you listen, but really at the end of the day, we're speaking to a unique group, which mm -hmm. is our, our local church, Cornerstone. And so we love to, to be able to do that. Um, and so that's why we, we, we engage in this podcast. But we've been starting to work through Second Thessalonians. Mm -hmm. And last week, we spent a ton of time working through this idea of not only the kingdom of God, mm -hmm. what's a kingdom, who's king. I mean, it was a myriad of different issues, which I think, man, uh, you, you nailed it last week, Christian, when you talked about this idea. It's, it still feels like a foreign language that we only know a little bit about. We're yeah. still learning what does it mean to be, uh, be kingdom people. Yeah. But I thought that was, that was really helpful. But today... As we kind of move along in the text of Second Corinth, Second Thessalonians, mm -hmm. I have this predisposition to always go to Corinthians. Uh -huh. I don't, I don't know why, but um, <clears throat> I think what's cool is we're going to look at this idea of two sides of a coin. Yeah, which uh, you robbed from me, so now I got to figure out a new illustration for the text I do. But no, I, you're going to see these two side realities now really come to bear not only in the section that you preached on, yeah, but also the section that. I'm going to preach on, Spencer's going to preach on these these two sides of how things manifest themselves as far as two sides of the coin become become really important. So why don't you kind of just give us an idea of what what are these two sides of the coin and maybe just why is it so important that we, we understand it? Yeah, I think I set it up because even just some of our conversations we're having about this section of 1 Thessalonians, it just brought up this idea that that phrase, the judgment of God, uh, uh, we had... We, we, it has a very negative connotation in our minds. Yeah. And there's almost the sense to build out, oh, wait, that, that is not just impending doom. That is also impending reward and rescue and, yeah. and, and, and renewal. And I think that that's what you see in this first part of this letter as Paul's writing to these persecuted Christians wondering if they missed the return of Jesus. And he goes, no, well, your suffering right now is not evidence of God punishing you because you missed it. It's actually evidence of the fact that the life of Jesus, the suffering servanthood of Jesus is coming out in your life and you're, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. That's, this is evidence of God's righteous judgment in a positive sense that you will be judged worthy of the kingdom because you're learning to follow Jesus as king right now, right? But then in verse six, he just turns on a dime or he starts to flip the coin, if you will, and says, okay, if, if you're... Endurance in persecution is evidence of the righteous judgment of God. You know what else? Verse 6, God also considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us, because Paul and his companions, they're suffering as well. When is this going to happen? When the Lord is revealed, the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. That's when this is going to come. So there is this sense of both a call to hope and a call to patience. God sees this evidence is already accruing for the day of judgment and justice will come. Affliction will come to your afflictors. Relief will come to us who are afflicted. 
but it will come when the Lord Jesus is revealed. So hang in there. Like you can entrust it to God in, in the end. He will make right in the end. And then as we went through the rest of the passage, you just see the way he, he keeps on showing Flipping us both sides of that coin, right? He talks about he's going to um, bring, um, in, he's going to inflict vengeance on those who do not know God, on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And again, I think this is Paul as a Jewish man using parallelism, two different phases, phrases that, that inform each other, that the, those who do not know God, it's not just from a place of ignorance, it's from a place of, no, they, they did not obey the gospel. In chapter 2, he'll say, those who refuse to love the truth and so be saved. There is a, an obstinate refusal to believe that is the, the, the ground of this vengeance, right? And he says in verse 9, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. And I argued that it should be taken as this destruction comes from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When, his gl when the glory of Jesus is revealed on that day, it will bring destruction to those who are opposed to Jesus as king. But simultaneously, verse 10, that glory will glorify his saints. Jesus will be glorified with his saints and marveled at among all who have believed. And this is, again, where Paul's pastoral heart comes in there in verse 10 when he says, Thessalonians, that's where you are. When we came to you with this message that Jesus is king, our testimony to you was believed. You're not those who don't know God and didn't obey the gospel. You're those who turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son, Jesus, from heaven, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Like you're still on the right track again. This day will bring about relief and glory and marveling for you, even as simultaneously it brings about vengeance and destruction and affliction to those apart from God. And I think the place where we stopped kind of partway through was just to say, as much as this gives us hope, this also should burden us with this sense of our unbelieving loved ones, family members, coworkers, neighbors, who to this point... So would you say, because in that part of the question I have, so would yeah. you say that's why this is so important? Absolutely, that's why this is so important. Is like that, why, do, why do we need, maybe just to lay this out for as we kind of enter the text... Why do we need to get the two sides of the same coin? We need to get both sides because on the one hand, like Paul said in the first letter, like we are destined for this. As followers of Jesus, we are destined to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, to not expect the life to be easy, to not expect the world to bend to our whims. We are expected to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And in the same way that Paul uh, or Peter says it in 1 Peter 2, that when Jesus was reviled, he didn't threaten. When uh, he, Instead, he entrusted himself to God who judges justly. There is a sense in the midst of the struggles and hardships of life, in the midst of a world that does not want to bend to our wills, nor, nor should we expect it to, to entrust ourselves to the ultimate judgment of God. That should give us that patience. But then on the other side, the way that Paul talks about it, like in, in 2 Corinthians 5, knowing the fear of the Lord, knowing the awesome might of who Jesus is and what it's going to be like when he comes back, we ought to persuade others. We ought to, as he says later, implore others on God's behalf to be reconciled to God. You don't need to continue in your obstinate rebellion. Like, come to the king. He's good. You will find life under his rule. But if not, this is the fearful expectation of judgment. I think that idea that 
why it matters is in the face of like injustice and persecution, it's, we want to, we want to join God in living out kingdom realities, but that doesn't mean we're going to change the system doesn't mean we're going to overcome mm. the realities of injustice, but there will be a day that the king will make it right. And it's not ours to inflict retribution mm. or it's not ours to reflect, uh, you know, uh, to pay back evil with some kind of, you know, retribution. We really can trust. <clears throat> and I think that that's where this matters so much is, is Paul is looking at them saying, Hey, you are evidencing the reality of the kingdom. And, he, and he's encouraging them in that. But he's also saying, but hey, the persecution may continue. And, and there's going to be a day where, where justice is rendered. And you can have hope in that too. Yeah. You don't have to fight for that. Like yeah. you don't have to fight for the <clears throat> consequential side of things. And that is so interesting. Like I love the way you put that on the mm -hmm. two sides. And that's what I want to explore as we kind of yeah. work into this ideal section. Because... We're not just asked to understand one side of the coin. Mm -hmm. We're asked to understand both sides of this coin. And there's a compelling nature to both of them, right? And now on one end, we're compelled by fear of the right thing. Yeah. And on the other side, we're compelled by the longing of the glory of God. Right? We'll yeah. talk about glory and different things. You know, we'll be able to unpack that. But I think just, man, the thing that hit me, even when I was sitting and listening to you in sermon prep, unpack that is I think sometimes I want to only look at one side of the coin. Mm -hmm. And yet Paul wants us to go, no, 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 no. We have to look at both sides of this coin because both sides of this coin are essential to what it means to be the kingdom people of God. You got to get them. Yeah. You got to understand the outcome. Now you have to live on one side that you're, you're called to the good side of the coin, right? Yeah. In this. But we have to know both so that we know, we, we understand and perceive the, the world correctly and live rightly in the midst of it. So that's what we'll do. Okay, so we'll get to that point. And I'm going to have you because I can't wait to kind of understand more of these realities of glory and wrath and all these different things he's going to talk about, <laughs> revelation. But before we before we get there, just to say this, um, if you're somebody out there that is maybe never wrestled through these things before, I would encourage you over the next few weeks, you're going to get potentially a perspective that you maybe haven't mm. haven't thought through before on yeah. these two sides of the coin. And so Christian, he kicked it off this last weekend, but man, we're going to have many more weeks to begin to kind of unfold this idea of, of the two sides of the coin. But let's talk about the ideals. Okay, so here's the ideals. You've you laid out kind of a good synopsis of well, we didn't we didn't get to eleven and twelve. So we'll, yeah. we'll get there because that's I thought that was such a great section when you you preached through it um, on, on Sunday, but. So why don't you kind of now give us kind of a, a long view of this text, set us mm -hmm. into the text, help us to feel the text so that we, after we kind of have spent some time there, we can really begin to kind of land. Mm -hmm. How does this, how does this come out in our, in our day-to-day -day lives? So you've kind of like given us a little bit of synopsis, but fill in some of the gaps in there for us a little bit. Yeah. I think on the one hand, it's like, like we looked last week at how Paul is boasting to the other churches about how the Thessalonians are steadfast in the midst of their persecution. But steadfastness, perseverance, endurance, isn't fun. Mm -hmm. It really isn't. So there is this good sense, he said, there is relief coming. It's going to come at the return of Jesus. Yeah, it's kind of like the Mandalorian. This is the way. It you is know? the way, it's yeah. Like... And it's almost that sense of, to his, to his point, of to motivate them to stay in there, to stay on target, is don't seek your own relief. The best relief is coming. Like G Jesus will grant relief to you. He will, right? So st stay in there. Um, and I think that like, 
with that, just that sense of heaviness of what is it that allows us to maintain a posture of humility, compassion, even willingness to serve those who are opposed to the gospel? We don't have to get a pound of flesh for them, right? Like we don't have to try rub their nose in anything. Like we can speak out to the clarity of what God says is right and wrong. We can say, let's defend the cause of the fatherless and the sojourner and things like that. And, and, and say, this is what is right in the eyes of our king, right? And, and demonstrate by our lives the way that we want to seek to sacrificially serve and even enter into the hardship of others. But at the end of the day, like, entrust judgment to God. Because not only that, his sense of judgment is way better calibrated than ours is. Like, he truly defines what is righteousness and justice. We can leave that in his hands. That's hard. Oh, like right we don't right. we haven't liked that since we were little kids mm -hmm. but there's there's a sense of like if we do truly do believe that what is it, verse 9 mm -hmm. that 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 affliction is like god will repay affliction with affliction mm -hmm. that means i don't have to no. there is a degree of even there is a degree of like pastoral like shepherding that paul's giving there of going you know what i've exhausted myself trying to seek retribution mm -hmm. or seek like what, you know, bringing about justice on those who are unjust mm -hmm. and going, no, no, like trust that God will. Mm -hmm. And my job is to care for those who are afflicted or yes. my job is to do what God's called me to as a kingdom citizen. Absolutely. Care for the afflicted and also speak, speak truth to those who are doing the yeah. afflicting with a readiness that this will not make life easier for us. Right. I do think that like, there is something for me as I study this passage, this idea that God will grant relief to those who are afflicted when the Lord Jesus is revealed. Like, do I want to wait for that? Do I want to wait for the, hmm. the relief, the glory that is coming? Or would I rather settle for far less if I can get it for myself now? Would I rather settle for a regime change in this country to enforce the way that I want things to be or whatever it might be? Would I rather settle for I'm going to kick up a stink at work until I get the promotion that I feel like I deserve or whatever it might be? Like there really is this sense of are we willing to be patient and steadfast, trusting that what God has for us is better than what we could get for ourselves? So I think that's one part of it that's huge. I think the other part, like I mentioned, is that sense of of compassion and soberness. We don't need to be militant in the way that we carry out the gospel, but we do seek to implore and say, Jesus said there's a way that is easy and wide that many are on, but it leads to destruction. Which also means we don't need to be shy about the fact that the way is hard and narrow that leads to life. Like because we're not motivated by seeking relief for ourselves on our own terms, but this sense of we want to be those who are shaped. By, oh, gosh, I kept thinking about what Paul says in, in, in James 1. Sorry, not Paul. I was going to say that's what interesting. What James <laughs> says in James well, 1. You call, no, James is Paul. I, Todd I'm didn't supposed write to be Paul. Yeah, Todd didn't write it either. He, uh, <laughs> when James says, let perseverance have its full effect. Like, right. don't, don't slide out from under it. So do you think the, the care and compassion that you're alluding to here really is only possible if we really understand that the affliction is God's to repay. Yeah. 
Does that make sense? Yes. And if we, if there is a sense in which with no sadistic sort of, yeah, let's watch him burn, that's ugly, that is wrong. But a true sense of meditation on the judgment of God that is coming against the unbelieving world, like that, that should sober us. I don't need to be militant about this because... God's got more than enough vengeance to repay and do it justly. What I can do is like what, what Paul said back in the first letter, the sense of this, just this open statement of the truth. We're just going to commend ourselves to you. This is the reality of what is coming. He who has ears to hear, let him hear kind of an idea. Um, that just, again, it gives us that sense of a patience, but a true sense of persuading and imploring and saying, gosh, be reconciled to God. You do not want to face the day of the Lord do you think, like, him. okay, so let's, like, I'm, I'm just listening to you guys talk through this, which is so great. I wonder if sometimes our, maybe this is for the application section, but I'll mm. say it and we can just mm. throw in the application section later. But, like, I do sometimes wonder if in the in our minds we have so rightly thought, well, my vengeance is coming out. I've expressed my opinion. Mm. I've done whatever, that we don't let the sobering reality of a person in that, there's this storing up of wrath that he mm -hmm. talks about in First Thessalonians yeah. that because I'm like, you know, you're going to get yours or I'm going to get to say what I say that we don't ever develop this heart to go, oh, you don't understand what you're about to run into. Yeah. I implore you, right? Like because yeah. we've kind of carried out our own little weird justice now, mm -hmm. we've never developed this aching heart for those that had the audacity to stand against God. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know your thoughts on that. Like as you were studying through, I guess I hadn't thought yeah. through that concept a, I think like again, I, I, I think in some ways it's the it's the couple places in the gospels where we see Jesus weeping over Jerusalem saying how how often I would have gathered you but you were not willing or would you have known even on this day the things that make for peace but now they're hidden from your eyes like mm. the very king who comes with the terms of peace is the one who comes inflicting vengeance on that day and the posture of Jesus the emotion of Jesus is the model for us as well gosh okay this is coming i don't want to be bashful about this i do think that far too often christians are bashful about it. an overcorrection from the old fire and brimstone preachers who somehow colored the entire bible as yes. judgment yes. passages it's almost like oh no no like that let's let's there's nothing to see here sweep that one under the rug no no this is this is a motivating reality but again to go back to what we were talking about before from second corinthians 5 in the same passage, at one point, he says, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. And then he says, it's the love of God that compels us. Like to hold the two, the fear of the Lord, the, the, the gravity of who he is, and yet the love, the grace that God has shown us. To see Paul, the very one who wrote these words in, Thess in Second Thessalonians, later on saying, I was a violent opponent, and yet grace was shown me. If there's not a sense of, I deserve that, and yet God chose the king, the judge chose to be gracious to me, yeah. that needs to be our frame of reference. The grace we've received is the first lenses we put on when we think about the impending judgment Which is so huge in this, because again, it does. It, it, it frames how you perceive the world, mm. right? Like the understanding both sides of this coin helps you to have a greater clarity on your perception of what is what is real. Mm. And and I think just that the way that you talked about this idea, you know, whether it was away from or from, mm. like the running into one day of the one that that told Moses, 
you don't want to see my glory, do you? Yeah, you the, can't handle the it. Isaiah, right? That says, "Oh my gosh, I've seen him, and not only are my lips unclean, but I'm amongst a group of people whose lips are unclean." Like just that, that compelling nature to look at people and say, "Oh, you don't want to run into him at mm -hmm. the end of this on this side mm -hmm. of the coin," right? Yeah, that, it, there is a compelling nature to that. So there's, there's this is super helpful for me just to like reframe. I think you guys are super helpful and going, okay. Thank you for so, so it's hey, acknowledge your own standing before God, and that yeah. that you will you have been made right. Um, trust that God is going to uh, afflict those who are afflicting, and and you know distribute vengeance mm. um, for those who are in opposition to Him. Um, and then the flip side of that coin, but to those who are redeemed okay then then there's the flip side of that coin yeah. which is positive and you yeah. will there there's relief from affliction but what does he do help me understand what goes on at the very end because right at the end of that section me too he starts talking about like him praying for the thessalonians like 11 and 12 i don't know as you're we haven't got there yet yeah Illuminous, a wise one. Oh, Todd, our guide, do you want to say that for the third <laughs> section or you want to do it now? <laughs> no, un unpack it, dude. Okay, I, one of the things that I think is so cool is just even the way that he transitions there in verse 11 to say, okay, I've just unpacked this two-sided reality of the impending day of the Lord, the revealing of Jesus and the effect his glory will have to destroy one group and to be glorified but in with we will share in that glory in a crazy way that he says there about the other group that that have believed the testimony of, of Jesus's kingship and then he's he moves into his prayer in verse 11 with just in the Greek it just says to this we pray for you like and so different translations talk about and I mentioned this I think on Sunday of like Okay, to this end, with this in mind, but again, place where I think Eugene Peterson in his paraphrase in the message, he put it so well. He, he, he kicks off this prayer by saying, because we know that this is extraordinary day is just ahead, we are always praying for you. Like we are living, again, this ties back into what he talked about in the first letter. You are children of the day of the Lord. Your, your identity is wrapped up in that day now. Okay, so we're praying for you now. And I do think that like many of the things, like what he prays for in this prayer at the end of it is not only this is what I want God to do at that ultimate day when Jesus is revealed, but the already sense of, I, 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 I believe that you will be judged worthy of the kingdom when Jesus comes. But back in the first letter, I charge you to walk in a manner worthy. And here in verse 11, I'm praying that God would make you worthy of his calling, that he would fulfill your desire to do good, your work of faith by his power. Like, again, the amazing, like gospel oriented pastoral heart of Paul in this, that as he's charging them in the way that they are to live, he hangs all of it on God's power, what God can do within them. I pray that God would make you worthy to live now today in a way in the midst of the suffering that you're enduring that puts the worth of Jesus on display to those around you. And I think especially that, that, that idea of to fulfill their every resolve or desire for good that was one I just sat and contemplated a lot as I was prepping this. Man, like the times when we see the good that we want to do. And we don't. <laughs> and we want to move past, right? Like I want to move past just seeing it as good to, God, would you fulfill that? Would you help me to follow through on that? Again, whether it's a good thing to step into, like, Lord, I, I recognize it's good to share my faith with those who don't believe. Like 
Would you fulfill that? Would you give me opportunities this week to talk with people about Jesus? Or even sometimes when it's, it's a hard thing, I know that I need to forgive my spouse or my parents for something, but man, the way I've been hurt is just so heavy in my mind. I'm able to, in my mind, acknowledge, yes, it's good to forgive. And yes, I acknowledge what Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, that the way that I forgive others is going to be reflected in the way that God forgives me. I get that it's good to forgive, but God, would you fulfill that desire? Would you bring it to completion that I can actually follow through? And the way that he sums it all up at the end with this idea, according to the grace of our God, the grace that we've been shown, would that grace powerfully work within us? So that way we don't just acknowledge the good or desire the good, but are fulfilled in our desire to put it into practice. So that, verse 12, the name of our Lord Jesus would be glorified in us and we in him, not just at the ultimate day of the Lord when his glory is revealed and we're glorified with him, but even now. I think well, you, you pointed out like John 17 in Jesus's prayer, he talks about the glory that God gave him. He's given to us so that we might make his glory known. Yeah. Which is, I think like that connection, I think sometimes we, the idea that we were given glory mm to make his glory known, right? Mm. It, it's something you always talk about, Spencer, right? The way we, we are rightly made to reflect God. He, he, he gives glory, not just as like we mm -hmm. as receptacles, but as true yeah. ones that reflect yeah. like his greatness and goodness to the world, which I, I think like that side of it, when we are living like you're called, right? Mm. Like when we are living in this way in which he then truly does empower us in this this to become worthy of his calling yeah as he empowers us to fulfill by again his power your desire for goodness every work faith it's just mm. like in this way as he grants we reflect yeah like we yep. it's it and i think sometimes it's like reflecting god can be just a conceptual understanding mm -hmm. this made it so real mm. yeah. like it's now not just a conceptual reality it is god now in this cool way reflecting his glory into us and mm. we we're not reflecting him displaying his glory to us and us reflecting. Well, I, I would actually go back to where Christian started in that and go, this is what Paul was praying for these people yeah, that, 100%. hey, that, that my prayer for you is that you, that this will come alive. And I, I love the fact that you guys are taking this and going from glory to making known or putting mm -hmm. on display or reflecting, because I think that's more accessible language. Yeah. We don't use glory language in Simi Valley all that yeah. often. Well, it's Matthew 5, right? Right. Let your light shine with exactly. more men that they might see your good deeds, your, yeah. your, your goodness put into action and glorify your father. That's right. That's right. We just don't use that word. And yeah. so it becomes yeah. like this church language, but it's yeah. like, no, no, that we might help them see our fathers, yes. you know, see your father. Like, yeah, they're just going, Paul's saying, man, I pray this for you. So that you guys can actually help people see Jesus better. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. All right. So there's the text. And I can't wait to land a couple of things beyond even what we've already landed. This has yeah. been so good. Like, I think this text compels you to just want to land it. Yeah. Like, and I in think a cool it, way. It compels us to meditate on the realities of the return of Jesus and even in That's judgment. Right. Not from a place of sick fascination, but also not from a place of... I don't know what to do with this, so I'm going to put this one in the attic and just not pay a lot of attention to it. But actually, this sense of Paul's point in that prayer, this motivates us now in the way that we live. All right. So let's uh, let's actually do that. Let's land this plane. All right. Well, we, while we were on break, do you remember what you were talking about? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
No, so absolutely. I think that's a great way to segue into what I think is a great way to start landing this plane. You want to kind of lay out what you were kind of talking about? Which part? No. <laughs> <laughs> the best yeah. part. <laughs> yeah, the really good stuff. No. Um, yeah, the, the the conversation in around, oh my gosh, my brain just, brain just totally blanked. Remind me what we were just talking about. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> Okay, we're talking about You're justice and retribution and <laughs> like, the, um, like the already and not yet in regard to justice. How do we hold those together? Oh, vengeance and justice and mm, all this yes. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good, <laughs> succinct little statement that I was setting you up to land into our conversation. Yeah, I think in, in the last little bit, I think uh, the last couple of years, mm -hmm. I think as we consider life in, in Southern California, Simi Valley, I think the one thing that gets exposed as we're wrestling through this passage is we want to fight for vengeance and we want to fight for all kinds of things. But I think that ultimately gets exposed in Christian, what you were talking about is like the first side of that coin of going, if we trust that God is going to be the one who delivers, God is going to be the one who um, kind of Grants delivers relief. well grants relief but also uh, deals out retribution sure. and vengeance if we trust that then we really can't stay in our lane on things we don't have to fight but then what that does is it, to your point earlier christians we were on break of going so we can stay in our lane and just be faithful to what god calls us to and what is it that god calls us to god doesn't call us to vengeance that's no. his job he doesn't call us to retribution that's his job yeah but he does call us to do justice. Mm -hmm. Uh-oh. Like, how, how do I do that? Like, what does it look like for me to enter into the suffering of someone else? Yeah, I think not not first to seek justice for me and mine, but right. it's the doing justice for those. On behalf of others. On behalf of others. We're right. back to authority and power, how we right. bring that yes. to bear, yeah. Yeah, how can I enter into the suffering of others for the sake of making Jesus known yeah. and making Jesus look good, trusting that he is the one who is going to deliver retribution and vengeance, not me, but man, in the last couple of years, 10, 20, 50, I don't know, the church has kind of gone sideways on this one, mm -hmm. where we don't trust that God is going to be the one who delivers retribution and vengeance. And so then yeah. we want to fight for it and we want to stick it to those who are doing evil yeah as you guys were talking on our break just the belief that god's faithful mm -hmm. right he's faithful mm -hmm. like he not only is is he the one that is going to bring about vengeance and rightfully meet out wrath <clears throat> but it's because he's faithful like i can trust him like yeah. i can rest in that reality and then therefore kind of what we talked about last week i don't have that's not our kingdom our kingdom doesn't carry out vengeance that's not mm -hmm. that was not our job given to us never been in the walk in the path nor did jesus model it in the path that he walked he absorbed wrath and mm -hmm. he absorbed right vengeance but i think now for us to realize in that walk in that path is that god's truly faithful and if yeah. he's faithful I, I don't i don't have to try to do that in fact i now get to step into to your point which you said i get to kind of maybe fulfill a james one reality yeah what is true justice well to now not bring vengeance and wrath but to step into the affliction of those being oppressed mm -hmm. as rightfully joining them as the means of demonstrating the kingdom which man that looks like jesus doesn't it to step into the affliction of others bear it with them as the means 
of bringing about goodness and justice. So to really just kind of press on this one, and again, in our community, in our culture, um, we need to function a lot more like sheep. And we're not called to be lions. Mm. Is that fair? Yeah, well, well, is it is it correct? Yes. <clears throat> do we long to be lions? We do long to be lions, but we're we're not, right? We are sheep. And I think like there is a there is this side of it where to seek out vengeance is to face the opposition of God. It's idolatrous. It's to it's put, 100% your, put yourself idolatrous. in God's place. Yeah. That's, Which that's a that's right, powerful. It's, it's that's, ugly, right? Yeah. And I think like that's where as we talk through these things, it's not just neat little, you know, pithy statements right. or these things. It's the heart in those statements. Mm-hmm. It's this heart that says, I can, st- I have the right to step into this place. Mm-hmm. And God looking at us and going, no, you don't. That's not how my mm-hmm. coin works. Yes. Right? Stay, is, stay in your lane. <laughs> this is my coin. Yeah. I've asked you to walk this lane that my son walked before you as the means of demonstrating the kingdom to the world. But that doesn't mean, and I loved how you put this on break, that doesn't mean that there's not a disconnecting from entering into the affliction, right? Yeah. Those two have to be held rightly together. Yeah. You want to kind of talk a little bit more through that? Like, yeah, I think it's it's funny. We were talking about it almost like when we were walking through prophecy and you talked about how both those who think that prophecy has ceased and those who think it continued, they need each other. They, they help to guard each other from going off the rails on either side. And I think in the same way, those perhaps who have a very strong drive for justice to see ills in our society, to see those who are being oppressed or overlooked or underserved and say, no, that's wrong. We need to do something about that. We need those voices in the church. We absolutely do. But we also need this sense of the ultimate justice is reserved for the day of the Lord. He will, vengeance is his, he will repay. And I think to have both sides of that in mind is actually really healthy because it keeps us from a Messiah complex of we will bring about the utopia. We will right every wrong. We will make things right, which God hasn't called us to do. But he has called us to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. Like he, he has called us to that. But to recognize even those times where we are able to enter into the situation of someone who's in an abusive relationship or, or, or a child who's... Uh, um, who gets removed from their, their parents' custody into the foster care system or things like that. That's, that's justice work that is seeking to, to, to bring about that which is restorative to what's broken in the world. Even when we do that, this is what we're, what we're seeking to do as followers of Jesus is merely give a foretaste, a glimpse. A, it's a quick scene from a movie trailer of the ultimate justice and relief of God that's coming on the day of the Lord. And I think that's, that's so helpful to hold the two of those together because... One keeps us from just being, oh, don't worry, God God will take care of it one day. I'm just going to care about me and mine. And it also protects us against this sort of, no, but we have got to ease every hurt and, and heal every pain. We do get to witness to this. We do get to give glimpses of it, all the while saying, our king is coming, yeah. and he will make right. Yeah. Yeah, it throws us back in again to our discussion of kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's God saying, this is, this is my coin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know what's going on on both sides of this coin. And yeah. the issue for us is not that we have to somehow do his job. Yeah, We just need to walk faithful. Well, it's, yeah, it's just wanted to remind of us of the bigger context that he's writing into. He's writing it to a church that's suffering mm-hmm. persecution 
for their faith, mm-hmm. who's now being called to question their faith, that it's somehow or that off they, the rails a little bit. Or that they this because they missed yeah. the return of Jesus. That's why they're experiencing yeah. and pain so, and heartache and And so Paul's writing into this saying, hey, in the midst of your suffering, remember the realities of the kingship kingdom, which is what you were just talking about. And then I, the thing that I love is he acknowledges the difficulty of living this way. Mm. In verses 11 and 12. Yeah. Praise for them. Because, and this is where I think for us as, as guys at Cornerstone, we just need to be praying for each other and just mm-hmm. acknowledge the hardship of this and going, man, guys, it's so hard to live out kingdom realities in Simi Valley in mm-hmm. 2022. Yeah. It may be different than in, in Thessalonica in, you know, 40 AD, but in 2022 in Simi, we have our own unique struggles and man, you know what, we we probably can and should be praying more for each other that we might embody the kingdom realities because I, I, I hear about these two sides of the coin and God's vengeance and I need to stay in my lane and I go, yeah, but but I suck. <laughs> so I had, I had an instance this morning where I was so, uh, the, the morning after we had sermon prep, and like this really, this idea did come across to me mm-hmm. where it's like, wow, I, I I may not be that person seeking to mete out vengeance or justice, but I do have a propensity in me to try to fix problems that aren't mine. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, the next morning I'm sitting down with somebody and we're just kind of talking through life. And in the midst of it, I had this first inkling to fix the problem, right? I'm going to fix the problem. I'm going to, I'm going to make it right. And this passage convicted me so mm-hmm. much that Paul's realizing he, I can't, I can't fix this problem. And so therefore... Not only that, my sense of rightness isn't probably as accurate as I think it is. Yeah. And so therefore, I'm just going to pray. Like, Mm. I'm going to honestly come before the God who is faithful because I'm not. And how often do we try to fix problems or think Mm. we know what God's thinking or how to carry out realities and step away from that Mm. and just go, okay, wow, I don't know. So therefore, I'm going to step in line with a Paul who came before me. And honestly believe that praying over people is is way better than this weird way in which we yes. try to solve solve the problem, right? Well, again, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But I think like just it, it, that was the part coming out of sermon prep, man, where we kind of were lingering in that and having discussions. Mm-hmm. I was so convicted by that. I was very convicted that my first inclination after thinking through a concept is not to go, oh, wow, I just need to, I need to pray over you mm-hmm. in that moment. So that was, I mean, that for me on a personal level was so phenomenal to, to hear and be reminded of. Because it's interesting, right? The application of the text for Paul was to pray. Mm-hmm. The application, therefore, of the text for us should be to pray. To pray, absolutely. Which, man, like I didn't even connect that dot until after sermon prep mm-hmm. going, of all the ways I could apply something, Paul gives us the application, which yeah. I was like, oh, man, yeah. I just miss it, you know, which was so helpful, that that I had that heart of prayer. I, I find something so encouraging about, especially that phrase, may, he, may God fulfill your every mm. resolve for good, this sense of, okay, like, that, what a great thing to ongoingly pray. Lord, I've taken on something bigger than I am, right? You've called me into something bigger than, than my capability. You've called us into that. There is this desire to do good, whether that is to step into broken situations, whether that is to, to walk through, you know, hardship with people, whether it's dealing with the grief of a loved one that you may not have ever, you wouldn't have ever wanted to be going through that. 
okay, God, would you fulfill this desire to do good? Would mm. you not only get, help me to see the good to do, but give me what I need to follow through on it? And what a, I mean, what a, what a prayer to cling to in my life and in others' lives. Help us to see the good, to desire the good, and then fulfill our desire to put it into practice that we might bring glory to you. That's a great bow. Well, thank you. Yeah. I can't clean up anymore. That's amazing. And so I want to just thank you all again for wrestling with us just through the amazingness of God's word, the truths of it, the ideals of it. Um, but I do hope like in this time as we've been wrestling through just as friends, you've you've seen that, that God's word is not just meant to be wrestled through and cognitively assented to, but man, it needs to be lived. Mm -hmm. And so thanks for all of you all you cornerstone people. Love y'all. God bless.